0: Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Real people doing real deals in real estate and no fake gurus allowed. We bring you the best and the most real real estate investors in the space. They'll be showing you the good, the bad, and the ugly of real estate investing. Like, share, subscribe, get notified. It's the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. This is the second round with Wealth Without Wall Street. Russ and Joy. thank you so much, guys, for being back and wearing the same clothes as the last uh, show <laughs> to make sure we we, we we did it the same day, right? Uh, no. So on the last podcast, guys, uh, we uh, were talking literally about, about yourselves, right? Uh, we, were, we were getting to know you at a personal level, upbringings, you know, how you guys, um, you know, travel the country. Uh, Russ was working at enterprise for a long time and, and, and joy was just, you know, didn't know what to do with his music career. Um, but anyways, it's all great things, right? Because this is what this is all about. It's about learning how to, uh, you know, who are you guys for real? Like, at a personal level, who is Ross, who is Joey, we're getting into who is wealth without Wall Street, okay? How did that come around? Can you can you elaborate a little bit on how, how your beautiful project, by the way, is beautiful. I love it. Uh, I love the everything that you guys are doing with it. Uh, people, the people you're putting on your podcast, um, the message you're sending, educating people um, to use different vehicles for investments. How was that how did that come around? What? How do you guys come together and say, "Let's do wealth without Wall Street"? I think you guys got muted. Hold on. I can't hear you now. I didn't do anything.
2: On dust
0: mics.
1: Now okay.
0: Okay, sorry.
1: It's all good. Hold on. I'll just pick up. up. You can just cut that part
0: out, and uh, I'll pick up uh, here. Right. So I. Ricardo, I think on the last episode, Joey shared, I, I like to call it his work testimony <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. how we got connected and, and, and just the vision that he saw having been a client of mine. But I would say like really how Wealth About Wall Street came together. Joey and I were in, was serving people in the area that we, we still believe is the, the biggest fundamental issue that people have to becoming financially free. And that is that they don't have access to cash. And so we were, we were like designing systems to get people into a cash position. And while we were having these discussions on a one-on-one level with people that were coming in the door uh, or, you know, doing zoom calls like this around the country, we were having those amazing like opportunities cross our desk. And, you know, I mean, you talk to a guy like you and we're, we're talking about wholesaling opportunities. We're talking about flipping properties whatever it may be. And I'm like, Oh, this is super interesting. You know who this would uh, apply to and I'd have one or two people in my mind and I'd probably reach out to them or they may, you know, we may have a meeting that we we uh, get together and I say, Hey, by the way, I know that you're sitting on some cash. This may be something you'd be interested in. You ought to like go dig into this, but that was really limiting in the fact that we couldn't reach, but one or two people, right. In a lot of times these deals, if I didn't see you for two weeks or talk to you for a month and a half, which is really easy to do, right? Is you didn't get to hear about those opportunities. And so Joey and I said, Hey, why don't we take this, this concept of what we're learning and we're getting the ability to to do and get access to personally, why don't we expose our clients to that? And that's really how the podcast was created, which ultimately is what was the uh, genesis to really what we've evolved to. Like we, we still believe having access to cash is the number one problem standing in people's way. But then the natural next step is, okay, what is next? Once I have cash, how do I turn that into cash flow? And so we've started like, you know, spending time with entrepreneurs like yourself and finding other ways that we can kind of um, curate the content and opportunities that exist and then marry it with cash to create a, a really beautiful way for people to become financially free, where their passive income ultimately exceeds their
2: monthly expenses. Yeah, and, and Ricardo, once you get Russ uh, in, on a podcast, learning about all these different strategies that people are using around the world to create cash flow, uh, you can't hold him back. He's like <laughs> a you know he's like a little boston terrier i mean just getting after stuff and (laughs) and he's got to just try everything so i mean that's why we even have now in the last year started a passive income report to tell people like hey you've heard us interview all these people over the years now which strategies are russ and i doing personally and how are they going like it's one thing to have a great interview and talk about like how this person went from homeless to you know, multimillionaire overnight or whatever. There's all these kind of crazy stories that happen, but what is actually working and what, what challenges do people in the real world, quote unquote, you know, face when they actually try to implement these strategies. So anyways, that's been, I think a, uh, a moniker for us is people know what they get when they listen to our stuff, because it's, authentic it's just it it is what it is what we're doing and um and and then they can kind of run with it if they want to
1: that's awesome so so tell me about now that you mentioned it how are your airbnbs doing because that's that's something you guys are doing related to real estate correct that's right yeah and that is something like we we heard and interviewed
0: several people who were like in that short-term rental space using Airbnb kind of that online travel agent to to book places and we we're like man this sounds so stinking cool right and and so we dipped our toe in the water i guess june of 2020 and as we we're interviewing uh, and recording this podcast uh, just shy of uh, of may 2021 we're up to 21 units now wow congratulations um, yeah we we we've hit you know Sixty to seventy thousand dollars a month in revenue um, from those uh, properties. We we had our our best month last month. We we cleared about ten grand on that. So that's uh, you know there's a lot long way still to go. We're we're entering the summer months, which is where we see the bigger opportunity to to create twenty thirty thousand dollars a month net. And and at least we need that because we put some money in those deals. Like we, uh, we we followed a lot of the advice. Though we we didn't buy any of those those units, Ricardo. We were using that master lease arbitrage, yeah, the rental arbitrage strategy. And we're we're going in and and designing them. We are we typically stay on the higher end of the market. So when people come into our town, which is Birmingham's not a destination city by any stretch. But if you go on Airbnb or any of the kind of normal platforms, ours is going to stand out because we're not shooting it with our flip phone. And, you know, we don't have our Led and poster on the wall and that kind of stuff. But it, <laughs> it it's, a nicer, it's a nicer look. And it's been a great thing for me because kind of like you, I, I love to talk. I, I love to, uh, you know, share things that's going on in my life. And I think it's a great way to be able to share it with the community. We just had a big tornado come through Birmingham um, several months, uh, several weeks back, and there's probably 300 families that are displaced at least. Oh, wow. I and, didn't know that. And, and so we we were able to get two three-bedroom units in a really short window of time, and, and we have those rented out to people for like the next six months whose houses are going to, and my assumption is they're going to be there for a year because houses were torn to the ground. And just where construction is in real estate right now, I don't see that being a short time frame, but just like stuff like that. Like I was able to like put that post out there in some communities that, and uh, groups that I'm involved in and see people be able to jump on that right away. Things like that is like what kind of fires me up um, with, with the business like Airbnb short-term
1: rental. Wow. So what, what's your goal in the next, I would say 12 months in your Airbnb business, uh, adding more bu- units, uh, you know, maybe um, better in your P and L what, what's, What's, what do you think that's going to look like in the next 12 months?
2: Well, I mean, just truthfully, we definitely need to do more of what you're saying there. We need to tighten up some of our margins on some of the expenses. We need to scale some different things um, from a, the standpoint of having a back, back office kind of team from virtual assistants and other things that will help us to expand. So I feel like we grew really, really quick. And um, didn't have a ton of bumps, but haven't had a ton of profit as a result because we had so much on the front end uh, infrastructure-wise to build. But now I feel like if we can kind of tweak some of those things, get it a little tighter, then we can expand. I I think Birmingham may be, um, there's not a ton more that we probably want to do in Birmingham, but we want to look at potentially scaling to some other cities as well.
0: Well, I think what we've learned in, it's through this process you have to you have to know who you're going to serve within this business but also i think um we we set out with one kind of avatar we're going to serve kind of business travelers traveling nurses uh, a lot of like one bedroom two bedroom units to fill that need and i think that there's a saturation point in our market for that where i think there's opportunity is there opportunity in that three and four bedroom market where people are having to move out of their house for one reason or another, whether it's tornadoes or they were doing repairs or their house isn't ready uh, because they're building it or whatever it may be. I think there's opportunity there. I think the market, uh, there's less people in that space because usually it costs more, right? I mean, you know, you can outfit a one bedroom unit for seven to $10,000. A three bedroom unit, now you get in that 20 to 25,000. Four bedroom, now you're into that $30,000 level, even when you're just renting it. So I, that starts to squeeze some people out. I'm really interested in the opportunity for us to expand there, which also, and in my mind, diversifies the clientele. So when we have swings in January, February, when travel is lower, typically, we won't necessarily have that same experience when we have a different market that may be more year round, right? People are, are, are always moving for one reason or another. Maybe they're not always traveling. So that's kind of an area, but yeah, our business is actually called Wake Up in Birmingham. And, and so we're, our goal is to have a, you know, a wake up in Houston, a wake up in-
1: uh, That's awesome. I love that name. I, I think that's uh, Yeah. Yeah, because you, you land in the evening from a flight from somewhere and you wake up in that's that, right. that city, right? I, I love that name. Yeah. So, so you want to work on systems. I got two guys for you, okay? Um, they're actually going to be at my event um one of them has airbnbs all over the country and he lives in puerto rico uh and he's been able to scale his i don't know how many he's got now but the last time i interviewed him he had at least 60 um yeah. and then i have another one that lives in houston that's actually doing what you just said russ uh, he's doing like four bedroom houses five bedroom houses and he's making a killing on those Um, he ran me the numbers the other day for something, for a house that they just, they just, uh, another friend of mine, he bought the property, he rehab it, but instead of leasing it out or, or, or selling it, he put it on Airbnb. And I think the revenue on that one property alone was like $12,000. Um, and the margins were, were, were crazy. When he showed me the margins, I said, okay, what can we do with these other properties I have? Right. (laughs) Because. I'd rather have an Airbnb operated because uh, he offers a, a like, he can operate the Airbnb for me. So, yeah. and, and I'll give him a cut of the revenue, which I'm fine with because I don't have to touch the thing, you know? So, yeah. he's scaling that business very fast. Um, and he, I think his revenue for last month, he was actually at that event that I w- we were just talking about. Um, his revenue last month was close to one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand nice. dollars. Um, so, and yeah, and, and and I remember three years ago he was dead broke, like literally, he could not pay his own bills. Okay. And I've seen his tra- transformation. Airbnb changed his life. Um, so, so yeah, it's uh, it's completely doable. They got systems. So I'm gonna make sure I introduce you guys. Uh, um, at some point. They're probably both great guests for your podcast. Um, yeah. so let's talk about what you guys do um, like as a career, Like, because you guys are in the insurance business, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's how we've made,
0: you know, kind of been known. Uh, most people know us for the concept of infinite banking. Mm-hmm. We kind of have been on those stages in that platform. And when people search infinite banking, usually we're one of the names that people get pointed to to say, hey, these are the kind of the experts in that space. And that's what I was referring to before, like putting people in a position of cash. I think that's that's an issue, right? There's some people that can figure out how to hustle and to create cash flow without access to cash. But oftentimes deal flow comes when you have money sitting there telling you to do something with it. And, and you start to recognize those deals. And, and that's what we're in. Like we, we work in that space. Uh, if you never heard of the concept of infinite banking, there's a book out there that I'd highly recommend. Uh, you can go to wealthwhitewallstreet.com forward slash infinite banking. And um, it's called Becoming Your Own Banker. And Joey and I didn't write it, but we've, re- uh, we've read it probably, I don't know, 50 to 100 times uh, between us. We had a chance to spend a lot of time. Um, you were talking about Robert Allen before we pressed record, and, and the wisdom that you were gaining from him. Joey and I had about ten years where we got to spend time with this man that uh, who wrote that book named Nelson Nash, and he he passed away a couple of years ago at uh, the age of eighty eight, and and we got to sit down with him because he happened to be local, and we we got to spend countless meals and and just time over coffee, sharing and learning from his guidance and his, you know, seeing the world from a lot different vision, right? I mean, people now are, are just maybe now getting in, involved in investments and opportunities, and they see what's happening in the market, everything seems to be going great, right? But when you get to talk to somebody who, who grew up, uh, literally was born on the backside of the depression, and went through all of the 50s, the 60s, 70s, even early eighties when things were crazy and, and kind of would speak to how and why you need to operate in a certain uh, way. He taught us a ton. And through that, we learned that one of the tools that the wealthy and the, um, the most successful corporations and banks use is believe it or not, dividend paying whole life insurance. The thing that seems to be the most boring tool that exists, um, But when he said, hey, look, let me just show you, Joey, you worked at Wells Fargo Bank. They got over $20 billion in cash value life insurance. They got a lot of smart people working there. Why do you think they do that? Um, And do you think maybe you should learn a little bit about it? That's the way we build our business. And personally, Joey and I put large six figures into our own cash value policies. And we talk about that on our show constantly. and, And that's what's really afforded us the opportunity to be able to Use those cash values to create the cash flows.
2: Um, that is why we get to share our report. And and, and wealth without Wall Street really is uh, has evolved, as Russ said, from just starting these kind of policies and these systems for people to um, to to backing it up a little bit. Like I think what we found is some people just were were buying a policy because they were, they were thinking, oh, I just need something safe over here to diversify. And they were still thinking the way wall street teaches in terms of, you know, Oh, spread out your risk and, and just put money away and accumulate. And really what we found is that people need to start back at, at square one and that's clarity, right? Getting clarity on what you want your life to look like your investment or your, where you put your cash really has to be told by what you want your life to look like first. And, and so getting really clear, like, do I want to be financially free in the next five years? Okay, well, if that's going to happen, then the where my cash is flowing right now has to change. I can no longer fund a 401k, right? If I'm 30 and I'm putting money in a 401k, but I want to be free in five years, I'm effectively telling myself I really don't want to retire or be free in the next five years. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live and accumulate for the next 30 years before I can even touch this money. Does that even make sense? Right? No,
1: not to me, I want to get rich tomorrow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so if we get really clear on what we want our life to look like, now we start thinking about how we pay our taxes. What does our budget have to look like? And do I need to pay all this debt off or just the ones that are maybe standing in the way of that financial freedom number? And so we start with that clarity, we get control. And in that control phase, we look at all those numbers, but we also say, we have to put our cash somewhere. And the policy becomes the reservoir, if you will, or the the place where that now that money can be leveraged into cash flow. And that's where we talk about all the different passive income sources. Um, we also teach people like we have created a tool called the investor DNA. And what that is, is it tells you what sort of investor are you right? Like based on your personality, based on your experience in life and what you know about yourself, how does that really line up with the very different things that are available to you as passive income sources so that you can kind of dial in on which ones make sense for you or not. Um, And so that's really in that third step, picking a course, uh, a course of action, so to speak, to create passive income. But it it has evolved from being just a place where we start these policies to now it's a financial freedom journey that each one of those steps are are vitally important to gaining freedom as fast as possible.
1: That's awesome. You know, I love insurance. Uh, I actually come from the world of insurance. Um, my dad is a very successful insurance. Um, uh, I don't call him broker. Uh, I call him more of a facilitator um, because he actually gives people what they need uh, based on their needs more than anything else. Um, he doesn't necessarily pro- promote one product. Like He'll get to know the person first and say, hmm, Maybe for you, this applies better based on your circumstances. But he focuses on the ultra rich. So like he told me, "Say like, son, I sell three policies a year. And it's the same as if I sold 500 policies of some other types, right? Um, he was telling me the premiums that some of those people pay. It was crazy. It was like $500,000 a year uh, for a life insurance policy, you know? And so, and it's hard to stroke, stroke that check, you know? So, but that's why I love insurance so much is because I used to work with him until I was about 20. So I know everything there is until that time about universal life, you know, whole life. I was actually licensed at some point. Um, I was a very good sales guy when it came to, uh, to insurance, um, but I just didn't want to work with my dad anymore. So I, I went away from that. I wanted to have a father, not a boss. Yeah. Um, but I was just recently in Miami and I sat down with him and I ended up buying more insurance. I was like, Hey man, uh, I need to up my, my, uh, my coverage. Now I need a term policy for this and I need another one for that. And so, and he helps me structure all of those things. When I had a few partners in the past, we had, uh, uh, an insurance policy just to buy out the shares of the partner. And he, he's got a name for it, but I, I, I forgot what it was. Uh, just in case one of the partners uh, passed away or or whatever, we will buy the shares of of the business with the insurance policy, and then um, the 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 proceeds from the policy will go to his heirs. That way, we didn't have to inherit them as partners, you know. So, um, partnership buyout or something like that. But uh, but yeah, I love the insurance world. Uh, I I know what it provides. I remember when I was. Uh, 19, we had this guy that bought an insurance policy from us at the time, and he literally just signed the application, gave us the check, and we processed the application like uh, at the time, and this is in Venezuela, so we will send the applications to the U.S. because we were using a company uh, in the United States, and during that weekend, he got into a car accident and died. I saw that insurance company writing his family a million-dollar check for something that wasn't even going through underwriting. Uh, I mean, they were able to to say, "Yeah, he was legitimately he legitimately died in a crash." Uh, he his check had funds. Everything happened the way the supposed to, the way you know it was supposed to happen, and thanks to that insurance policy, that family was able to survive for many other years because. This guy's a high, this guy was a high net worth individual but he had a lot of debt so all the creditors they started going after all his assets and the only thing that woman or the lady the uh, his ex or, or widow uh, was left over was with an insurance policy so you know that was the I think that was for the first time in my life that I I got to see it you know being used which we all mm. buy insurance we probably don't want to use it right um, for the death benefit. Um, and, uh, that was incredible. And now I got to meet his son who's actually probably about my age. And he said, yeah, you know, that insurance policy paid for my college. He paid for my, uh, uh, living expenses, the whole nine yards. And, um, it, it's crazy that, that, you know, years and years and years later, I met the beneficiary of a policy that we sold back then. Um, any work so yeah we, we don't give
0: credit to that I mean so the world that we're in so we we get um, we get paid from insurance companies and we set up insurance policies if you get down to the bottom line of it but we sell cash we don't actually sell insurance we sell the cash and the access to the cash and the system that comes along with that and we forget that we, we set up hundreds of millions of dollars of death benefit every single year. And it's not uncommon, like you were saying, it's not uncommon for someone to write a large six-figure check, even seven-figure check um, every single year into these systems. And they don't blink an eye at it because we don't sell insurance. We sell cash. And unlike a lot of systems, we build ours that, you know, they, they put a dollar in. They start to get more than a dollar out in a very short period of time um, a number of years and that starts to happen. I mean, I've seen that in my own life. I have a policy I bought, um, 11 years ago and I created it in a way that when I think about it, it's just, it's another little rental house, you know, and, and it gives me access to be able to buy another rental house. So when I put a dollar in, I get access to $2 now. And that just allows me to do more than I could before. And I forget that I almost have $10 million of death benefit. I, Cause I never look at that part. Cause we go to the IRS and we actually, try to find out what the least amount of death benefit we can get and the most cash we can put in. If the insurance companies would let us put a million dollars in and get a $1 death benefit, we'd buy it. They just won't let us do that. Right. But Yeah, it, you're right. I mean, when you have those stories, I, I have a story of a 20, you know, 28 year old oral surgeon that, you know, he died two years after uh, setting up one of his systems and his, his young bride, you know, we, we wrote a check for a little over two and a half million dollars. That you know doesn't bring him back, but um, it it definitely solves some financial problems or financial L's and stuff that exist. And and we'll have lots more of that. I mean, we have so many clients every single year. This is a foundational tool. We believe that you can't build a house without a a solid rock uh, foundation. And that for us, these systems are the thing. They're not they're not an expense, they are a Uh, a a necessary tool that we all use, just like we all use banks.
2: Yeah. Like I'll add this, the the real estate investors that we work with and other entrepreneurs, they don't, they don't get concerned about writing this check because they realize this is their ability to fund their next deal uh, in a way that they wouldn't be able to do otherwise. And let me explain when they borrow against that that system that they've created with these policies. Now, when they go and flip that next that next when they come on, don't choke on us. (laughs) Sorry. When they go to flip that next house, they borrow from their policy. They don't have to make immediate repayments. In fact, they don't have any structured repayment whatsoever, and they only have to pay interest at all. It's an interest only type of loan with no structured payments. And you tell an investor that they're like, how much can I put in this? Right. These are the terms that nobody else will give me. And I want to put as much as possible so that I'm in a position to move on that deal that has to have cash today or else it's no deal. Right. That's, that's like the game. And then I can rehab it and not have to worry about the overhead of how quickly do I have to get somebody in this position or how quickly do I have to flip this to get the money back? They don't have that pressure. So they can make wise decisions. They can get the right tenants in if it's a long-term rental. They can get the right contractors if they're you know not available immediately and they have to wait on them a little bit. There's, there's all these additional benefits when they're using a system like this. So they're, they're not necessarily worried about the expense. They're saying, how much can I put in?
1: Another way that I've I've used it is very similar to yours, but um, and, and it is because I refer a lot of clients to my father, right? Uh, especially on the real estate side, um, a lot of a lot of real estate investors that I know of don't understand insurance. Number one, no. they they don't. They're like, oh am well, I? Is that tax deductible? Is the first question they ask, right? Because the CPA is 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 got on their heads. I like, know it's not, you know, not not this type. But one one thing I tell them is like, are you used to paying on a mortgage? And of course, the question is, yes, I am used to paying a mortgage, right? I actually paid plenty of mortgages. I got, I don't know how many mortgages. I said, okay, what do you think, if you had to invest today, what would be the best, in, the best in base investment you can make? Oh, of course, investing in myself. Okay, how about taking a mortgage on yourself? And they're like, what? Taking a mortgage on myself? Yeah, if you were able to create a mortgage on yourself, uh, how will you see that? How would you create? How would I create a mortgage for myself? Well, you get a disinsurance policy. <laughs> That's like selling the pen, right? <laughs> Sell me <laughs> the pen, right? So you know, cr- creating a mortgage on yourself, you get a, a whole life, you know, policy or a universe, or whatever. You know, I, I don't. I'm not too familiar with policies today, uh, as I was before. But for that, I have my father and guys like you, and you know, that will guide me in the right, um, you know, directions. Uh, and believe it or not, every single one of my friends that I, that are in real estate, that I structure the question that, that way they get it right away. And they say, yeah, I'll put as much money as I can on myself. Okay. Put it on that policy. Now you're going to be able to retire money out of it and and use it for other things and this and that. Um, but that's what I tell them pretty much It's like, man, you're taking a mortgage on yourself. You can't go wrong in investing on yourself. So, um, yeah. I, so I come from the world of selling the, the death benefit, not selling the the investment, right? But now that I understand the investment better, I can marry the two. And I'm not selling insurance at all. Uh, is it, it's, it's not my thing anymore. It's, I could do well, but um, I'm so busy with my, our real estate business that I don't have time for that um, I'd rather refer you guys, you know, the clients and all of that. So by the way, guys, if you guys are listening to this, uh, podcast or watching it, make sure you go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com. If you have an insurance question, send them, you know, your question, you're like, how can I get a mortgage on myself? How can I invest in myself through insurance? And I'm pretty sure, uh, Russ and Joey will be more than happy to assist you with that. I know the products work. I know they're, they're amazing. Can we? Can you explain on at a very basic level how the infinite banking works? Like the most benefit, the most basic explanation that you can come up with, that way that the people that are watching this uh, this podcast or, or listening to it uh, understand the concept and can get in contact with you guys.
0: Yeah, no, perfect. Let's look, I, I think a lot of people probably listening are real estate investors. So I use real estate as an example. Yes. It, we we know that when we buy a piece of real estate, and I'm just going to use a house, single family house as the example. There's there's multiple things going on. As you mentioned a second ago, a mortgage, right? We're paying down on a mortgage. And every time you you make a payment on that house, assuming that it's a traditional typical principal and interest mortgage, you're creating equity, right? In that house. Now the house itself also has the opportunity for appreciation. Not all markets, but most markets would we would see over time that, uh, that, that house would go up in value too, right? So you got two things happening. You're, you're building equity in principal reduction, but also you're building equity in appreciation and insurance policy. The way that we would design it would have very similar things where every contribution we would make would be creating equity in the insurance contract itself. Uh, initially, um, you may have, you know, a typical 30-year mortgage, you put a dollar in, uh, 80% goes to interest, 20% goes to uh, equity, right? In an uh, insurance policy that we design is probably the opposite, where almost 80% of the dollar you put in would go to equity and only 20%, in essence, to interest. Um, the, the appreciation factor, the houses, uh, usually you're going to appreciate anywhere between 2 to 4%. In most markets, normal seasons, normal timeframes, right? And that's what we see in a typical whole life insurance contract, we'd see the appreciation of the contract at somewhere between that three to 5% range. Now, here's where it really gets interesting, is that you know that if you build equity in a house, you can take a line of credit against that house, assuming the bank will give it to you, right? Usually, those lines of credit may be up to 80%, maybe even 90% if we're doing well. And so if we have built up, let's just say 20 grand, you know, let's say we have a a $200,000 house, and uh, we owe $150,000 on it. Well, then at the 90% mark, we could borrow up to $180,000. So we could, between that one fifty dollars and one we'd have $30,000 of cash that we could go do another thing. Well, we could go buy another rental property, right? Go buy another piece of real estate. And we know that. We know that we can leverage that equity that's in the real estate to do that thing. Now, again, of course, we do have a payment on that line of credit to the bank. There's some requirements that, that we have to fill out, you know, make prove that we can pay it back. But assuming we could do all that. Well, in the insurance policy, uh, we have that same ability. Now, the difference is if my insurance contract had $200,000 in it, the insurance company would give me more like 95 to 97% uh, line of ability. So I might be able to borrow $190,000. So I would have access to not just 30, but maybe access to 40 if, you know, in the example, if I, I was 150 and I had 200K in there. So that same thing, uh, Ricardo, as I can borrow against that cash, I can go do that real estate deal. The little bit of a twist here is that Joey mentioned a second ago, but sometimes it goes kind of over the head is whenever you go to borrow your money from an insurance company, unlike a bank, they don't ask you what's it for they only ask you how much do you want and where do you want us to send the cash. And most of our clients get access to it for, you know, in three to five days. Now we actually have some insider groups and they can actually get access to that money the same day, but there's no requirements. There's no proof of being able to repay it. Um, As Joey said, there's actually no structure to the repayments. They don't actually have a monthly interest payment, monthly principal and interest payment. None of that exists the insurance company gives them non-structured agreements, So it allows them to go do another deal, but at the same time, their insurance contract is still growing. And that's what's so beautiful about this is that when you borrow money against a, a piece of real estate, right, you're not impacting its growth potential. You're not impacting whether or not it's going to appreciate or not. The same is true in these insurance policies. We're not impacting the growth. So we can actually get a dollar doing multiple jobs, and that's where this you know we all know as real estate investors leverage gives us the ability to to grow and to scale and by having money in an insurance contract not only do i have a cash reserve but i also have the ability to borrow against it or collateralize it as real estate investors know to go do ultimate things and that's really all infinite banking is it's the process the process of thinking that every every dollar Um, I have, or a better way to say this, is that I finance everything that I buy. I'm going to say it again. We finance everything that we buy. Either we borrow money from someone else and pay interest to them, or we pay cash and give up interest. And so the concept of infinite banking is, why not let our dollars multiply and compound for the rest of our lives, which is unlike any other financial tool that they have. It's guaranteed to grow every single year. But also, secondly, is I can access that dollar with little or no restrictions. I can borrow against that dollar and I can go do all the other deals. So having a a dollar do two jobs is amazing. Having access to that dollar to do two jobs is unheard of. Most people don't have that. So the reason people aren't in a cash position is because they know cash is dead. But if you knew that every dollar you put in this account was gonna go three to 5% income tax-free and give you that death benefit thrown in on the side, and would not prohibit you from being able to do other deals, how much money would you put in? And the answer is, as much as I can. And that's why we have people putting in 30 to 40% of how much money they make a year into these contracts because it's just another form of a place to run cash to. So I don't know if that did a, an adequate job of answering your question, but that's how I would try to describe it.
1: Great explanation, guys. And I, and I am a firm believer, like I said, of everybody needing the death benefit. Uh, everybody. Everybody should have the death benefit. No reason why people would would not use such a beautiful tool like an insurance policy um, to make sure their their loved ones are taken care of uh, if they're not around. But now that we have an ability to 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 do things like infinite banking and and things of that nature, it just makes it a a, a no brainer. So if you guys are listening to this podcast, guys, make sure you send wealth without Wall Street um, a message. You know. If you have any questions about insurance, they're going to be more than happy to, to answer those questions. Uh, these guys are stand up people in not only in their market but nationwide. Uh, they're doing great things for the community. They're professionals at what they do, so I'm pretty sure they're gonna they're gonna help you to their to the best of your interest. Okay, so uh, anyhow, where do we find you guys on? Do you guys have Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, social media channels?
2: Yeah, we, we have all those things, but I'll say the number one place that we like to hang out the most is uh, on our app. Uh, we have a Wealth Without Wall Street app if you go to the app store, but we, I'll just give you a direct link here. It's wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. And this is the place where people who are trying to find their way to financial freedom with a group of people on the same journey, that's where we like to hang out. Because guess what? if you go and hang out with everybody else around you, they're not on the same journey, right? Physically in your location where you're at, they may not be on that same journey, but on this app, you're getting constantly fed with people who are uh, positively impacting you and helping you to see life from the same standpoint that you want to see it. So join us there um, and you can DM us directly in there. We'd love to hear that you heard us uh, on uh, on this uh, podcast. So yeah, please, please uh, join us there.
1: Awesome, man. So, well, guys, thank you so much for being here today on the second round. Uh, it was an incredible podcast. I, I believe it's very educational. Uh, I hope that you guys take action and get in contact with Ross and Joey and, um, you know, get a product, man. Get an insurance policy that's going to help you invest in yourself and invest in other things. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the best vehicles that was ever invented, in my opinion. Um, I was told the story by my dad on how it was invented back in London at a, at a coffee table, um, the insurance, you know, how the insurance ships going in and out and all that. So, um, and we, and, and you know, hundreds of years later, here we are now we're, we're investing in ourselves, taking policies that uh, allow us to, to go and do fix and flips or buy more property or as easy as to take a vacation or whatever, which by the way, it's, um i don't suggest you do that but uh you know go buy assets do something with it that's worth it but with that being said guys don't forget to hit share like and subscribe make sure you go find wealth without wall street forward slash community correct that's it that's right get the app and i'll see you on the next one thank you guys